You are now listening to The Perfect Prana with Kaya Ann. What's poppin'? What's good? Hello, my friends. Welcome to the second season of The Perfect Prana Show on 88.1 FM WCRX, also available on Apple and Spotify. I'm Kaya Ann, your host and a yoga instructor on the Chicago scene. I am so happy, so blessed to be here with you guys today. It is season two, it's January, it's a new year, it's a new semester, my last semester. And if you like yoga, this is the perfect place to be. And if you do not like yoga, this is still the perfect place to be. We have a lot for you all today, the usual yoga news where I talk about controversies in yoga and what's going on in the yoga world right now. Yoga Heals where I bring on another yoga instructor, speak with them about their practice, about their life, this, that, and also the weekly wellness challenge. But before we get into all of that, let's center ourselves. Let's find our center. Let's take this moment to focus on ourselves, to focus on our breath, to go inward if you know what I mean. So no matter where you're at, if you are in your car, you're driving, if you're sitting on the couch, if you are sitting on the floor, if you're outside going on a walk, I don't know what you're doing. It's been pretty cold lately, so life life has been indoors for me. Uh, since I've been back in Chicago. Let's just say that. (laughs) But no matter where you're at, I'd like you to take this moment to bring attention to your body, bring attention to your toes, to your ankles, your shins, your knees, your tummy, your chest, your neck, your shoulders your head, your face. Take note of what these things feel like. What do the clothes feel like on your skin if you're wearing clothes? (laughs) What do your feet feel like in your shoes? What do your feet feel like on the ground? What do your shoulders feel like? What does your chest feel like when you take a deep breath? breath in what does your belly feel like when you take that breath in and go ahead and lengthen your spine it doesn't matter if you're sitting down or if you're laying down or if you're walking just lengthen your spine create a nice line of energy from your tailbone to your crown Roll your shoulders up and back. Open up your heart. Relax your eyebrows. Relax your jaw. And then take a deep inhale through your nose, right into your belly. And hold at the top. Exhale through your nose. Deflate your belly. Pull your belly button in all the way. And hold at the bottom. Take a deep inhale through your nose. 
and then exhale, let out a nice sigh, like <sighs> releasing all the tension. Take a deep inhale through your nose, filling up your belly, letting the breath travel to each part of your body and nourish it. And exhale, let out that sigh, like <sighs> pulling in your belly all the way. And then let your breath come back to a steady rhythm, to its own beat. I am centered. Let's get right into the show. Yoga news. Underpaid and overstretched. SX yoga instructors ballot to strike over pay. So basically somewhere in the UK, all these yoga teachers want more money. That's just the gist of it. And all these yoga teachers everywhere want more money. <laughs> Uh, man, man, oh man, oh man. I just think with everything in general these days, when it comes to working and money and all that stuff, sometimes you just have to be a little bit creative in order to accumulate more money. And I'm not mad at them, honestly. I hope that they get what they're asking for and especially if they are good teachers and they're really helping people and I mean yoga is important so if you're you're bringing this knowledge to people you're bringing this guidance and help to people then you know you should be able to live a nice life and have all of your needs met and be able to eat and be able to lay your head down without just feeling like you don't have enough be able to do things that you enjoy so yeah you know i hate for people to feel like there's not enough but it's generally speaking all these strikes going on lately and i mean <laughs> This is on Columbia College radio station. All these strikes going on lately. <laughs> Thank God the strike is over. But all these going on, like, what does it say about these institutions that people feel like they have to stop working completely and band together to ask for more to ask for more support you know i don't know like what does it say about these institutions it's interesting even i don't know i just wonder how this will change the future of institutions or what's next basically when people strike one institution or one entity sometimes that entity doesn't change or sometimes there is no winning so then they start their own and then soon people will be striking that new entity and upset with the new entity and then the people will leave and start their own i don't know it's like one vicious cycle but uh <laughs> me i'm at the place where you know I feel like I'm basically having to create my own future, create my own jobs with what I'm studying and with yoga because just getting a job at 
the gym or whatever it just does not feel like that can be my main squeeze and I would have enough and be able to sustain doing that you know I love the people at the gym and I love the people at these studios but it does feel like if I really want to make this my living where I'm just doing this for a living for my life and all my needs need to be met it just seems like I'd have to get and I have to get really creative about ways that I can bring and spread this knowledge and this practice everywhere to where it takes care of me I don't know if you get what I'm laying down but (laughs) I'm just saying we, we definitely have to get more creative than just operating within these institutions at times what I wanted to talk about for real for real for this little section was just stuff that I saw on Instagram and I saw this post this uh person this lady she posted if yoga is what we're aiming to practice and teach why is yoga's philosophy often only sprinkled on top like a condiment i remember when i first saw this i was feeling kind of bad as a yoga teacher you know her and of course in the end she's just trying to sell her (laughs) sell her course about yoga philosophy basically which is funny but yeah of course in the end that's like what she was doing but I remember when I first read this I was at first feeling kind of insecure as a yoga teacher you know and I was reading the comments she's like does it feel like you're just sprinkling yoga philosophy on top of your classes and your practice and this thinking I'm not into yoga philosophy enough and I don't know enough and kind of starting to be in that line and everybody is critical over how yoga is practiced in the west and why yoga is practiced in the west and the fact that it's in gyms and it takes away from the practice and people are it's not spiritual and blah 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 literally oh my gosh (laughs) like i started to get lost in this for a moment and keep running into the fact about how yoga is a spiritual practice and it is a spiritual practice I'm not negating that I am not negating that at all so you know but you know about how it's a spiritual practice and it's not a workout and you know I feel like we could always learn more philosophy but just carrying the idea that we're not learning enough about philosophy this was starting to make me feel bad as a teacher and reflect on my own teaching like oh my gosh I'm not giving them enough philosophy then something switched where I was like no I'm literally doing my best I'm giving them I'm giving people what I know or what I've learned or at least like what I think I know I'm giving them my knowledge what's in my brain space so 
I feel like I still have so much to learn. I still have so much to read. I still have so much to realize. And I hate to say that what I know now and what I have now and what I've learned now is not enough. I hate to walk around with the idea that, oh, I didn't include enough philosophy in my yoga class. This person, this practitioner isn't studying enough or they're not reading enough or like this information you accumulate over time as you continue life. You can accumulate it through studying and reading and that's all very important to look at the past philosophers and past cultural practices and all that jazz you also will just get more wisdom and knowledge about how to conduct yourself in this world as you experience life there's just space for that and I don't have to have it all right now nobody has to have it all right now And then also what's coming to my mind is just this idea that people carry around that yoga is not a workout and kind of separating the two. Like there's working out and then there's spiritual practice. I started to think about this and I was like, I really don't even like this idea. I don't like that idea. I hate to separate yoga and working out, kind of putting yoga on this pedestal as the spiritual practice, but working out is not. Because I didn't start off with yoga. You know, as part of my movement, as part of my fitness journey and regimen, I did not start off with yoga. I mean, yoga is something that's always kind of, I've had it in my life, it's weaved in and out. You know, I had it when I was a child. I went to a few yoga classes and I liked it. Cool experience. I've taken yoga classes here and there. When it came to me making some life-changing habits and like ideas when it comes to movement and exercise, I did not start off with yoga. I started off with the bike riding. I started off with bike riding and running. And I transitioned to weightlifting and then a little bit of yoga into my practice to help me with recovery. And I don't know, it's just on the Nike app. (laughs) But that's where I started. When I look back on my start with bike riding and with running and all the little other exercises I was doing, I honestly see that as spiritual. I still to this day feel like it had spiritual effects on me. When I was on my bike every day riding up that hill, I felt like it was spiritual. That was a spiritual experience. When self-improvement to me is a spiritual experience. I mean, honestly, Almost every experience is a spiritual experience. And that doesn't mean every experience is positive because there's bad spirits and good spirits and whatever, but it's all a spiritual experience. All forms of movement, all forms of deeper breathing helped me to reach my higher self. So I hate to separate 
yoga in working out because honestly the high the runner's high I'd get or even I'd get the same high on during bike riding or whatever movement of just pushing it pushing it to my edge whatever high I'd get is pretty similar if not the same that I get from when I'm practicing in yoga getting deeper into my breaths really sinking my movements with my breath and yeah I mean yoga is different and it allows me space to try new things and just do things a little bit differently but again movement in general to me helps me to access my higher self so I I hate to just separate the two and kind of put yoga on the pedestal over working out like I think working out exercise movement it's all on the pedestal people have asked me all before like oh you're what are you doing they see me doing yoga like what are you doing is that some sort of workout you're doing I'm like no it's yoga it's a spiritual practice but like honestly it is a workout what I'm doing but I can still do yoga and it doesn't have to be a workout like it doesn't have to be to the same intensity of me doing a fast-paced vinyasa flow or uh, going on a run or it doesn't have to be to the same intensity and, and it could still be yoga to me movement is yoga but yoga is not movement <laughs> yoga encompasses a lot we've learned a lot last season in general what yoga directly translates to bringing the mind body and spirit together like i said i really think all movement does that yet there's still people that move a lot do a lot of working out and they still have a lot of growth to do mentally i'm sure they're a better person for the fact that they work out or move or exercise than if they didn't so I don't think that it's an issue that people practice yoga for fitness purposes. It's hard for me to separate spirituality and physicality. It kind of seems like a, a package deal. I can't say what's going to happen to us when we leave this life. I know that there are physical things that I can do that put me in higher spirits and it really just is that simple. I really see all movement as a spiritual practice. Yoga is amazing because Patanjali and other spiritual leaders and other messengers and they have included movement into their practices cultures and religions movement is a part of that and weaved into it because it's important to lift up spirits and to keep continuing life and if the west you know we took this movement piece and we have put it in gyms and kind of seen as a fitness thing but I don't think that that's necessarily wrong because it really is beneficial in those areas. 
you know, I understand being having this level of detachment and not too focused on what your butt looks like or whatever. But I I see it as more evidence of the East coming to the West, of Eastern practices coming to the West, people seeing the benefits and the power of these Eastern practices, these movement practices, these meditative practices, these prayer practices, these mantra practices, they see that and they see the power of it and it's just coming to the West because it's true. It is a true way to help ourselves, to heal ourselves, to live better life to live a better life so people see that and they're taking pieces of it and they're practicing it implementing it the best way they know how and even doing that little bit is probably making their life better so I don't want to take that away from anybody and be like well you're not doing yoga because you're not spiritual enough or it's a spiritual practice it's not a workout or this or like kind of just getting on that um on that train (laughs) so yes 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 that is the yoga news that was something that I was thinking about battling with this past month kind of just a mentality change and like hmm yoga heals this week's guest Brooks Hall is a yoga instructor. Brooks has been teaching yoga since 2003, the year after I was born, (laughs) and is a certified yoga teacher through the Yoga Alliance. Brooks brings a gentle and caring vibe to each class challenging and supporting participants on their journey to increased well-being. Classes are structured to help participants attain their goals and intentions. Brooks' Instagram is at yoga with Brooks. So hey, how is your day going? Hey Brooks, thank you for coming on to the Perfect Prana show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, doing good today it's so foggy and there's a full moon today so I feel like I don't know like a little emotional a little tender you know thank you for the moon update because I am not good at really keeping up with it if I was asking a question I would say you know I wonder how you you've been since your teacher training because I saw you so much more around that time and I just wonder how things are going for you They're going really good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I was at Yoga View a lot more than because it was summertime and I had the time. So I wanted to keep coming as much as possible. But things changed when school started. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have all these things to do constantly. But the teacher training, it was a life changing experience highly recommend (laughs) and I definitely feel like it just helped me to improve as a overall person and then um, I started teaching at LA Fitness so building up my experience as a yoga teacher and um, just building up my confidence too and just learning more so every time I take a yoga class now 
it's so much different. Like, I feel like my perspective has shifted so much because I'm not just taking it as a student, like just somebody just taking a yoga class. Like I'm taking it as somebody that's like learning to teach. If that makes sense. So it does. Do you want to tell, talk more about that? What that is like to uh, take a class from the perspective of someone who's learning to teach? I don't know. What is that? Yeah, I mean, it just I perceive everything differently. That's kind of been the main difference It's kind of like I'm more, I'm more present. Maybe I'm paying more attention to the cues and to like what the teacher is saying, how things are uh, feeling like. I really try to take each cue into account. I don't think that I was doing that before I did the teacher training. Like, huh, so this is the cue that they said and really like thinking about that and really feeling what they said. The perspective has changed. I know it's so huge. And when you say that, I think about how the power of words, like you literally feel it in your body. So when you say you're feeling each thing, I think about that and the impact of words and how it feels like. And so the way an instructor is using words is incredibly important and it affects everybody on a cellular level. Like you feel it. Yeah, I appreciate a good description, a good cue. And I take something from every class that I take. There are every class that I've taken since my teacher training, even just social media could be YouTube, whatever I'm seeing. I'm like a sponge. I'm just soaking it all up. And then like I turn around and teach it immediately <laughs> mm -hmm. or like I try to at least. I'm like, hmm, how can I put this into my class? So it really influences me. It reminds me of that. There's some quote or saying around that, that uh, a good teacher is really the best student. So you talk about being that sponge and then wanting to share it. It's like really being in that flow of the information moving and the pro very process of learning. Yes. Yeah, so I literally am taking a yoga class this semester at school for my elective. And I'm really happy. I fought really hard to get into this class because it was like, all filled up but I'm like if I have to take an elective I don't want to choose anything else because this is my obsession right now so I'm not it's like I can't take anything else so I um I got into it and even just like having to go to this class twice a week I feel like it's gonna help me become a better teacher so that's been the focus and I'm glad to be in the club now <laughs> in the yoga teacher club and I'm so glad about it that I started a show <laughs> and started talking to all my yoga teacher colleagues more and asking about their practice, which is a nice transition for me to ask you about when you started practicing and why you started practicing yoga. Okay. When I was like, I think, I was either seven or eight years old and my um, grandmother was really into yoga. And so she taught yoga as a way to kind of cool the grandkids down. And so we did some stretching in the evening, like when people were visiting my grandmother's house. And so it was kind of like play, but also learning things about like when you put your legs up the wall, how that's really relaxing. And, you know, so um, I learned from my grandmother a little bit and, continued to play from there because I remember playing with one of my friends 
uh, a little bit later in childhood and just she showed me what she knew about yoga and so like play and then whenever I had an opportunity to do it I would like and I did take a course in college maybe I took two but um one of the last second one I took this book from and it's an old book because it was a while ago I was in college a while ago but um it was like Richard Hittleman's like exercise plan at the time it was like kind of a whatever a popular book with this beautiful model doing all the different poses so for a while after that even when I transferred to go to the school of the art institute in Chicago I like had that book with me like the teacher of that class she said this is a book you could practice with your entire life so I sort of thought that well, um, I will practice with this book for my entire life. So, so it had you go through these different sequences and then you would like flow, you first you did them as individual poses and then you would flow them together. And then there was like a little point about health or, you know, different, different things. And so for a long time, that's, that's how I started anyway. So why do you still practice yoga today? Well, after art school, I, you know, did various jobs in like art type of things like at a gallery, I created sets for theater and I found my way towards like graphic design because I had taken a Photoshop class in college. That's just how I got there at that time because it was like the mid 90s at that time. And um, so I found my way to some production jobs, like seriously, like putting together the layouts of magazines or catalogs and things like that. And I was in a very stressful environment. And so I actually found a yoga studio that was um, not too like, kind of like in my, in my pathway, it's not there anymore. Kriya yoga is, is where it was, but then there was where I met some very charismatic teachers, including Quinn and Tom uh, who created yoga view some years later, but I knew them when they were teaching like at other places, including this Priya yoga. And I just got turned on by yoga. Like I started to do this thing where I was like working, but I was like thinking about yoga. And like, then when I was at yoga, it was pretty early on that I started to create in my mind myself as a yoga teacher and like what I would want to pass along and what I wouldn't want to do from like the different classes I was taking at the time. So that's when I really kind of caught fire about yoga was at that time, it was like this stressful job situation. And I remember walking to the Sun-Times building, that's where it was at that time, that job. And I would put my hands together. I was like, please, God, help me make it through this day. And I made it through the day. And it was really around that time that I found this yoga place. And I really felt that this yoga was an answer to those prayers where I just was feeling so low going to the job. Um, so yoga started to help me feel much better in my body. I started to feel much happier. I started to be aware of myself as more than just like a worker or a functioning person, whether it was a girlfriend or a friend or a, it's weird. Like it's somehow I really started to discover my heart. Um, that's what happened for me. I love that you talked about getting visions because I, I get that all the time. I just love when I start to get visions and really just start to envision my future, honestly. And I just feel it all over my body. Like I just feel in my bones that this is the path. This is what I have to do. So it's like truly a beautiful experience that I hope everybody gets to have at a point in their life to just really envision your future. Did you ever give up 
like your work as a graphic designer? Like, <laughs> at what point did you decide, okay, we're done with that? Well, I sure did. <laughs> and um, well, what happened at the time, I interpreted it as fairly magical. So um, this was um, actually, I know exactly kind of when it was. It started around 2002, around this thing that I, like I say, I interpreted as kind of a miraculous thing. I had just left a long-term boyfriend, like the person who I thought was like the one, whatever, that's what my brain was making around this person. He was included in so much of my family stuff and so on. Well, it got to a point where I needed to leave. And so I did. And I moved into this little studio apartment by myself again. And um, I was studying at that time at the yoga circle and um, with Gabriel Halpern. And um, I needed work, right? I was like doing all this freelancing work. And this person reached out to me from a previous job. And it just so happened that that particular um, production shop was like right across the street from the yoga circle. And I like knew it was like right across Orleans. So, and I, um, I knew because I had worked there before on a temporary basis that they didn't allow flexible schedules, but I also knew that they already knew my work and my ethic. And so, um, I was able to convince the boss there that on, uh, from, on Tuesdays from 10 to two, I would go over and train at the yoga circle and I would assist teaching as well. And then, so I was able to do that while I was doing this more intensive training. Like I really learned yoga to teach yoga kind of in an apprenticeship. So it was kind of like old school. That's really how I got my foundation. And I got my first work based on this apprenticeship I had at the yoga circle. So I basically continued to take freelance jobs, putting together, like I was in charge of all the different parts of a catalog, working with account people and designers and photography. And I was just basically like the person who just made sure everything was in the right place. So that was that job. But then it just kind of, like I say, it was all kind of magical because it's like, I got this call about the job and it was right across the street from my yoga training. Perfect. And I was able to convince them of something that would have been impossible, but it wasn't, I was able to do it. And then, um, so I just kept doing that. And right away, too, when I that situation happened, I started to teach um, at this dance center two nights a week yoga. And then it just started to build, you know. So then I was teaching before work at East Bank Club and after work at the dance center. And then I started to get more private clients. And so I was just juggling everything for a while. I really felt like I had no time. I was working one thing or another or practicing, you know, taking my own classes And then um, at a certain point, um, well, actually, I'm going to tell you this part too, which is um, like that training started, like I said, 2002, but I was working in this cubicle doing that work of just me, you know, the, the catalog, the production manager job. And I just remember just like sitting there, I felt my sitting bones in the chair, you know, the kind of like yoga techniques of being there, my feet on the floor and all that. And I was like, 2005 yoga comes alive. That was like my thing. I told myself, I told my friends, I told my coworkers, I'm like 2005 yoga comes alive. And that was the year that I transitioned to full-time yoga and I let go of the design stuff. But it was kind of weird because it's just sort of like one job ended and 
it just sort of, it was weird how it wor- worked out. Cause it wasn't like, I was like, no, I quit. I'm moving to yoga. It was just sort of like that chapter kind of closed up and this, uh, and I just kept getting more and more work. I think based on my enthusiasm and you know, whatever people were feeling in my classes and I was getting private clients and stuff like that. So it happened rather organically. So it all felt very magical at the time. Yeah. I mean, basically just describe manifestation. (laughs) Honestly, because I I was like, like, how did you get comfortable enough to be like, I'm done with this job? I want to raise my hand and say, I was not, I was not, I was not, I did not. I, you know what, when I was offered my first yoga job, I was like, oh my God, who the hell do I think I am? Can I do this? And so I asked my teacher at the time, it was Gabriel Halpern at the yoga circle. I said, can I do this? Is this okay? Is this okay for me to take this class on? It was like a big deal. I was like, I didn't know if I could do it. Um, You know, but he uh, sort of did this thing where he blessed me as a teacher. I don't know, like maybe he thought I needed a ritual or something like that. And, um, and just said it for sure, you know, and it, so it gave me confidence to know that I had a teacher who believed in me, um, a mentor like that. And then also my first, I don't know how long this lasted, but for my first several years of teaching, it was almost like I felt myself to be the body of my teacher. This is weird, but I did not feel like I could stand as myself and teach. I was too afraid. Like my identity didn't include being able to do yoga teaching. It was like a big deal, a big transition. So for me, it was more like taking on the learning that I learned, especially from my mentor, you know? And so it took me a long time to learn to stand as myself and teach yoga. And now I'm in a different phase of my teaching in my life. I've been teaching for, um, I mean, I can't really believe it, but I have been teaching for about a little over 20 years now. So I've, I've had a, quite an arc. I've had a lot of life lived during this time of yoga teaching. Well, that was such a beautiful story. And it was perfect because, you know, my next question was kind of like, what is something that you're working on within your practice right now? And then also, what does your daily practice look like? Yeah. So for the month of January this year, I um, cut out a couple of the things I had been doing because I'm someone who's always loving to learn different things. I mean, some of my things have included like when I was because I had I had focused a lot on Iyengar yoga and there was a certain point where I felt like that that form was so rigid. I just needed to kind of do something else. So I found my way to a belly dance class and like, you know, so over time I've done different things and I felt like just those freeing movements were really helpful. So my most recent thing was after COVID, I, um, you know, I completed the full improv program at the Annoyance Theater. I took some, you know, so I've been doing improv. um, And, but anyway, I felt like I was too spread out once again, because I can just keep myself so busy. And so for the month of January, I just decided I was going to slow down. And so I focused a lot more on my meditation practice, and um, writing, and um, just I wanted to have more focus within my personal life and try to get a couple of things done I've been trying to do. So my practice this month has been a little bit around slowing down. Um, Another piece around my personal practice has to do with what really gets me about yoga is the way it helps me to um, work with my nervous system. 
So I am someone uh, who has learned over the years that I, my nervous system has been affected by some trauma that I've experienced. And so what I found with yoga is I could sort of feel better, you know, instead of feeling so anxious all the time or scared. Like if I'm honest, like I was walking around feeling so scared and sometimes people would see it and think I'm very excited, but really inside, like I was like feeling, I was having a hard time handling my own self, like almost like I needed everybody to hold me or, um, you know, and so with yoga, I felt like I could actually learn to sit and to breathe and to be myself. And so it's still like that. Like if I, there was a time I was just thinking about this today for whatever reason, but like I use it almost like medicine sometimes. Like I was in a partnership a few years ago that is not happening. I'm in a different one now, actually. But at that time, there was someone who was very stressed and would kind of take it out on me at certain times. So sometimes in the middle of the night, I'm like whipping out my yoga mat and breathing and just doing some yoga. And like, it just helps me to regulate my nervous system. So something has me off or if I, say I'm weird, I don't get scared at night for whatever reason. Maybe it's not even about another person that I get up and I practice. (laughs) I mean, that's just one of the ways, but it really is something where it creates a lot of soothing and connection for me. What are some of your philosophies in life Mm -hmm. in general, but then like Mm -hmm. you can infuse yoga into the mix if you like. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because this gets me like if I I say because there are things that I sort of focus on, like I think radical self-acceptance is one of them. And it's really related to meditation for me as well, but just that I welcome myself fully as I am, you know, to my practice. I want to be open to the parts of myself that are hidden that I want to protect. I want to keep away because I want to be a fully integrated person. And so in my class, I do like to offer us those times when we can slow down and be with ourselves because I think that that's the work in a way is just to offer that up because that's one of the ways that we can really learn, like even from like our ancestors or the way we learned from parents or from each other. It's like, sometimes things just get put away. We're so busy, you know, and put away in our mind. I'm talking about like parts of ourselves. And so if you do take time to like slow down and journal, like it's not everybody's jam to sit still, like it could be even a movement form, but to just to allow yourself to be with yourself and where the thoughts flow. I know some people even experience that with walking or I've experienced it with riding a bike, but I really think that's one of the things And it's um, also like, it's not simply enough, like it is a thing to open that up. But I think in order to do that, we have to feel safe. So there is um, a way in which the kind of space I'd want to open up for that is a space of love and um, yeah, and care. So, so in my classes, I also hope to, you know, have that kind of environment that, you know, is as safe as possible, you know, knowing that everybody has different needs for safety. So I can't say But I still do a lot of effort towards, you know, striving to have that so we can all do our thing. And also when it feels safer, like the body can release more. And when we feel safer, we can more safely even like strengthen when it gets to the more vigorous parts of the practice. So that's really my thing. I've been recently thinking about because sometimes when I go back to like yoga sutras or um, like I, I listen to. Um, like the one of 
your podcast just in preparation here too. And I was like, oh yeah, those pieces of philosophy are great. And those lists that you get to help learn. So I love those things, but I've struggled a little bit because I do think that um, some of the like American teachers came back with some of the Indian philosophy. And sometimes there's a power dynamic related to patriarchy, which, you know, it's sort of like it, it can transmit something that's not healthy and so I've had to kind of like parse out for myself, like, you know, what feels safe as well as trying to honor like the tradition it came from. But for me, it started to get balled up with some of my teachers who I felt like used that philosophy, almost like a power thing within, you know, patriarchy that we know here, which was like feeling a little bit like a control deal or not, you know, not feeling good. So I've really like struggled a little bit to find once again, my place where, where is my place with the philosophy and philosophy is incredibly important to me. I mean, thoughtfully, you know, I want to do it as well as I can, you know, <laughs> I mean, living my life as well as what I'm teaching. So I've, um, you know, I just try to embody what is meaningful and, you know, continue to learn too. Yes, I'm really excited for this season because it's my second semester season two. So I'm like really just going to get into more philosophy talk and really bring it into my show. And then also kind of talk about how even uh, sometimes when we get into the philosophy talk and like, oh, we're letting go of our egos and all this mm. stuff, how sometimes even that turns egotistical. or <laughs> Absolutely. Or unhealthy. Yeah. Like when someone has experienced a good deal of trauma, like sometimes the self is almost impossible to find. And so for someone like that to tell them that they can't have an ego is just insult to injury almost. So I don't know if that's a weird cliche to bring in there, but, um, but so uh, a healthy ego is actually important to a human being. So to deny that I think is a problem. Um, so I think that there, it can be usefulness to those teachings, but it's, you know, it's, you need to have a full understanding. You can't just go in there and be like, okay, done with the ego. And that isn't skillful. It's like, we need to know what you know, how to hold our personalities with like dignity and care, you know, because otherwise, otherwise it just pops up in weird places. Like if a person like goes to like, just deny certain things because we're supposed to do it because of a philosophy, it becomes not embodied and not, I don't think it's, it's got to be connected to like truth. But at the same time, when everybody's learning, it's like, there's a point when everybody's new and you try things on. I mean, that's what I did for a long time. Um, and I might still do it to a degree, but I do think about this time when I was just so excited about yoga and yoga was everything. And I was like blogging about yoga and trying to put myself in every like, um, you know, part of the eight limbs of yoga. And it's like, I did all these different things for myself, just trying to prove or something that I was really connected to this yoga and so on. And so, but that's a way to learn, you know, a person learns by, you know, you know, we might learn fitness by, you know, lifting weights, you know, just one rep at a time. And so when we're also training the mind, we might be trying on different pieces and finding out what feels uh, relevant even for this time period or what feels 
helpful or are there pieces in it that are oppressive or not? I just think that we need to like look at it carefully because relationships with each other in this time is the most important thing. A philosophy can, can be helpful though too for growth. So that's a philosophy within itself that relationships at this time are the most important thing. So, you know, however the practice is making you show up or however, like whatever you think, you know, is making you show up to others in your life. That probably is the most important to take into account uh, just because I I know I want to be a safe person. Like we all want to be loved and we all want to be cared about and we want to feel accepted. And But we have to give those things in order to receive those things. Like I have to be a safe person to be around and I have to literally embody acceptance and love so people can do that and have the space to give those things to me. So... And I, I can't I can't do that if I am uh, egotistical about not being egotistical <laughs> or. Right. Oh, that's the worst. Uh. <laughs> and the, the attitude I've noticed that I've, I've noticed in the in the yoga world that there's like just an attitude with that, that I feel like everybody, everybody that studied it for a long time or just gotten super confident in anything it could be health it could be it could be something other completely than yoga or even health that sometimes it's like yeah you just you think you know it all and then you find out there's more there's more to know that's part of the miracle of life and see that's true so your your philosophy, and I wanted to go back to overall self-acceptance. How do you balance self-acceptance with self-improvement? Mm, that's a delicious, good question right there. I really try to keep myself in check because sometimes if I see something that I want to improve, like I can be very harsh with myself. I don't even know where some of those words coming from, honestly, like, you know, people talk about like an inner critic type of deal or whatever. And so sometimes when I see something that I want to change, a very harsh voice can come in. And that's when I'm lately, like, this is a very recent practice of mine actually is to witness how that's not true, like really to observe those words or even write them down if possible. Um, And just to see that those harsh, like when it's really negative and harsh, check it out. Like if you ever have that, because it's not true a lot of the times, or maybe it's never true, but in, uh, but I've been doing a practice of noticing those negative things when they come up and um, witnessing that they are not true. So when I want to change something, I do try to look at it and be gentle and just this, but then to try to make some simple steps, even write them down. I've gotten into different planners and journals and things like that, because I do intend to grow. I think that I'm already like, I don't want to think that I'm like, if I imagine myself and my future self, I don't think there's a hierarchy. Like my future self is necessarily better than me. So I don't think that that's true. And yet I still, as a person who's alive, want to participate in good 
you know, and helping other people. Like there's a lot of different energies in the world. We can participate with all kinds of things. Like when I made that career leap from, I don't know, there was times when I told myself that yoga was so much better for people than creating junk mail. Like I, I just, that's sometimes I'd reduce my whole job into like, you know, this design stuff I was doing, marketing stuff. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just helping create junk mail, you know, whatever that was. I know I was doing other things too, probably. But anyway, so I just, I made this judgment about wanting to contribute in a way that would like help people. So I think it's really important to try to bring a clear vision and being open to when you see something that's off, even with yourself, you know, and, but to bring uh, a clear eye and compassion and be like, okay, these are the things I don't want to do say, or these are the things that are going to help make So there is a way in which I do seek to improve. I think as a culture, we really need to seek to make ourselves better as a group, you know, getting along better and things like that. So I think there's lots of room for improvement, but it's never just like one person alone. I think there is some kind of sense of trying to make it better that reaches out and helps, you know, people beyond yourself or maybe even a close family group. Like, so, so, um, so I think that's a great question about, so I try to bring self-acceptance, but yet I do think it's like, I don't know. I almost think it's like part of job, part of my human, part of my duty, <laughs> part of what my mission, my purpose to, to try to make things better. Including yeah. myself. Yeah. It is collective self-improvement. It's funny that it's called self-improvement and it's like, but I mean, it is like when you improve yourself, you do improve everything around you. Cause uh, I know, I've personally experienced that not just with me improving myself, but with other people improving themselves and how that affected me and helped right. me along and inspired me or made me show up differently. So, so self-acceptance and self-improvement. So what do you have a strategy that helps you balance those different parts of your practice? This could change. I like what you said earlier, and this is it triggered a thought in my mind where you're like, I don't like to say that me now is better than me in the past, because, you know, I wouldn't want to say in general that, like, let's say I I improved my style. I improved the clothes that I wear. I wouldn't say that if somebody was wearing the same clothes that I used to wear that I'm better than them, you know? So I don't, mm -hmm. I hate, you know, feeling like that or being on that line of thought of like, Oh, I'm, I am getting better every day. But then again, I hate to be like me now is better than this person. Then who I was then like, yeah, I think that it each it, like each spot along the timeline, like past, now, and future. It's like each one, each version of yourself is doing the best they can with the resources they have. And as we learn more and become more savvy in the world, say like with your your example about fashion, you know, it's like we'll we'll express ourselves more, you know, better in different ways. But I do think that just that's what I do. Anyhow, when I think about some of my past selves or past versions, I just realized that that version of me was doing the best that they could. <laughs> and to have respect for that, 
yeah. So at each point, you know, that's, that's like the through line in a sense is that, you know, and people have different ways to compensate or self care or sometimes to escape problem. You know what I mean? There's lots of things, but everybody it's, it's sort of all does have some kind of purpose. You know, people are doing the best they can. So I think that about myself across different moments of time. And I also think that about, you know, people in general, people I know, I think people are doing the best that they can, you know, and we're all struggling in ways and we're all succeeding in ways. And, you know, that is a good point. You know, I always say that do, uh, I think everybody's doing the best that they can too. And if they could do better, they probably would, <laughs> but they just don't know how, or. I think that's true. Yeah. Oh, to what you asked me though, like if, if I could, um, how do I balance it now or how do I yeah. help myself through that? Yeah. I'd probably say something that's helped me is accepting cause and effect. And, you know, self-improvement for me is about getting through the hard things or things that are really like troubling my spirit. So I would say just accepting and again, getting more objective about the fact that if I do this, this is the outcome. Since I did this, this is what I have to deal with now doing this for a long time will make it harder to do this or will make it harder to change or, you know, just kind of accepting that like every effect has a cause and I did this. So it's going to be a process to do something different. And you're, I remember learning about that in, um, I went to a Soto Zen meditation center for a while and, um, some of the talks, it seems like it was a theme that came up in more than one, but I do remember this, this thing about causes and conditions and like you create some of those causes and conditions, but I always thought it was really intriguing that, you know, when we're born, we're born into a whole scenario of causes and conditions that are not about our personal actions. So some of what we have to handle has to do with, you know, all of those things going back generations, who knows, you know, so when we're handing the, handling all these causes and conditions, it's like some of it we can take responsibility for, but I think there's a way in which also, and I think that's important and necessary because that's the only way you can like own it and transform what you need to, but at the same time to just kind of zoom out a little to see that it's really big and it's like, it's not anybody's fault. And yet we are the ones alive now with a mind and choices and actions. And so to do what we can is, I don't know, in the moment, I almost want to say heroic, depending on what it is, you know, it's just to realize that these causes and conditions are quite a flow that so many things were already in motion and we were born into that. And this, you know, child was innocent. And so we learned from that. Some of it we took on, some of it we didn't, but some of it we just have to handle. You know, so it's, that's a huge one, this idea of these causes and conditions. And so it's much bigger than one person's, I think, actions, even though we can take responsibility for that. And that also is honorable. Because it's like, I'm not always the cause. You know, I can't say what the initial cause was. You know, it could have been in the works for a long, long time. But, you know, I can always be the solution. And that is like a positive 
optimistic outlook to have in life, but I everything takes time with time. And that's another thing talking about acceptance is just accepting that you have to give things time, like degree by degree, it'll it change over time. And I feel and I've learned and I've listened to a lot of messages and that the more self-aware you become about whatever it is or just the more aware in general you become, I feel like the more likely you are to change and to improve and to solve and to do something different. So, but yoga does help awareness and meditation does help awareness and a lot of things help us become more aware in general. Mm -hmm. Somehow what you're saying reminds me of this thing that's directly about yoga and the body too, is that um, as a person is moving through time, change is happening to your body all the time. And that's one of the things I find inspiring about yoga is you can participate in positive change for your body that affects your future positively. And in terms of some of this other stuff about you know, expressing our purpose and trying to make things better and so on. It's like, you need an able body. You need, well, that I, I want to question saying it like that, but to just to be as well as we can be and to be as, as fit as we can be. So you can participate in your body's positive change with yoga. So we're changing all the time. Time changes us, circumstances changing us. But I do think taking time to like, slow down when that's your practice, taking time to work on your posture, help your energy flow, help yourself feel better, which yoga is so help, help, help you, and help yourself regulate your nervous system when you're a little freaked out inside. These are things that can put you in a better space, place to be more clear so you can participate in your own positive circumstance to help you to, um, you know, just do what you want to do. Well, thank you so much, Brooks. I know I'm ready to like self-accept and self-improve. So <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for asking me questions and making me think like, how do I balance these things? Because I'm up here asking you, I'm like, you know, I didn't really have an answer from myself for that one. So yeah. A, yeah. the reverse effect. <laughs> but yeah, you don't... Go yeah, ahead. I'm I sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I, yeah. And I don't think you always have to have the answer, but I mean, I'm very interested and I wanted to hear, uh, you know, what you think about these things and where you're at with these things. So I'm glad that I had permission and I felt like I had permission to ask questions too. Thank you. So before we go, I ask all of my guests if you are able to lead us in a quick pranayama session, just a quick breath. It'd be a, a few, a couple, however many you want, whatever your choice. So, mm -hmm. all right. Yes, I'll be happy to. <clears throat> I am going to call this um, a breath of self-acceptance. Um, of, And it's also a little more than that because self-acceptance can sound um, emotionally neutral. But I really mean like self-welcoming. You know, it's like every person, like you can feel it. And I want you to feel it right now, like where your hips are, if you're seated, where your feet are, or the parts of you that are touching like a floor or a piece of furniture or whatever it is to feel that. And just to know that that's a sense of belonging. That's a sense of having space. And it's from that, from that sense of connection to the earth 
um, connection and that through the connection of like your physical body feeling exactly where you are, feeling the effect of gravity, that you can then find that stability within yourself from and from there you might bring breath. And even if you felt more during this time that movement is more your jam, like I mentioned that before, not everybody finds that connection with self, with stillness, at, you know, just you can see what feels right for you today. But if it does feel right to allow your sitting bones to rest or to rest on a piece of furniture, however you are, just to let your body kind of find a little bit of ease, even if you're sitting upright, just like, you know, release stiffness. And then to notice your own breath, first to notice your own natural breath. You might feel your breath coming in. You might feel your breath going out. You might be not sure, you know, but just to open that space to notice uh, your breath. And you might notice it like at the base of your nose, like it might get a little cooler as you inhale, a little warmer as you exhale. And just to witness what is true for you right now. And depending on how long you practice breath awareness, you might notice certain thoughts coming through. And I wouldn't want to like go to breath as an avoidance of thought, but more to breathe. And if there are thoughts, just let them kind of flow through. It's like we're not trying to change anything, just to notice how you are in this moment of space and time, just giving yourself this moment to sit and to breathe. And then in terms of the breath practice, we might extend the exhalation and lengthen the inhalation just a little longer than usual. So now... I'll just invite you to do just a couple more full breaths and you could always carry it longer if you wanted to, but in this case, just to fully breathe out and to fully breathe in. Not trying to force anything, but just to be with yourself and your full breaths in and out. If you notice any tension in your jaw or your forehead or your eyes, also to let that to rest. And then this can create a nice container for your breath possibly movements of thoughts or feelings, but just to be totally welcoming for whatever comes through for you. And just one more full breath right now. And just to know this is a practice that can you can continue for longer. I set a timer for like 15 minutes a lot of times and just sit and breathe and just welcome what is true for me in that moment. So another fuller breath in and fuller breath out. And thank you for practicing with me. Thank you, Brooks. Namaste. Yeah. Namaste. Do, do you, you have a different greeting for uh, or a different way to like seal your class? Yes, I do. I do. I do an honoring practice. I mean, if I was to shorten it right now, um, I would just say, um, I bow to the divine within you. And in honor of that translation of the word namaste, thank you so much. Weekly wellness challenge. You know, I've spoke about yoga philosophy a few times last season. And then on this podcast and on this specific show, it's it's a topic that's come up. So why not actually get into some yoga philosophy and follow that, follow that guideline, follow the guidelines or follow the program, follow the eight limbs of yoga throughout this season. Since I would like to go in order... So the first limb of yoga is yama. 
and this is part of like the morality in yoga this is how we show up in the world how we show up to other people how we treat other people and the first yama being ahimsa non-harming not harming anything anybody nature the world right so yeah and i was trying to think of like how could i make this a weekly wellness challenge like not harming things like okay (laughs) so then i started to think okay what's the opposite of harming so if harming something is to like damage it to ruin it then i guess the opposite of harming something would be to improve it or to help it to heal it to recover it and we could apply that to ourselves like I know this is about how we show up in the world but it's a cliche and it's common saying that like I wouldn't give to other or I wouldn't do to others what I wouldn't give to myself or do unto myself right so I would say this week's weekly challenge is let's just do one action this week that improves us or nourishes us or heals us and it could be whatever you want there is complete freedom but I would encourage everybody to just think about that like hmm what is something that feels healing or nourishing helps me along does the opposite of harm me and does the opposite of damaging me because it's non-harming so we gotta do something (laughs) to combat the harm you know I'd say it could be like eating a good nourishing home-cooked meal or uh, researching some physical therapy movements to help with that weird knee that's been hurting (laughs) or uh, (laughs) it could be journaling, drinking a cup of tea, like whatever feels like it helps to repair you and again do the opposite of damage you but yeah so whatever whatever it could be whatever you want there is complete freedom I don't know what I'm going to do yet but the goal is just to do it and then to do it with intention and to just think about how I'm doing the opposite of harming myself right now I'm repairing myself this is something that's repairing me it's repairing me physically it's repairing me spiritually mentally emotionally or whatever and um yeah so I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm gonna do yet but I'll think about it and then I might even journal about it so I can come back and talk to you guys about what I did 
<laughs> to repair myself this week. So yeah, that's the weekly wellness challenge. Before I go, I like to end with a quote. And this week's quote, Nam Mioho Ringe Kyo. Translating to, I dedicate my life to the wonderful law of cause and effect. And I chose this quote because, again, I brought it up a little bit earlier in the episode with my conversation with Brooks. And it's just something that's been on my mind lately. I had a wonderful sauna buddy the other day who was Buddhist and she started talking about Buddhism and her practice and their uh, their chant and um, she's just talking about cause of cause and effect and it's just a reoccurring theme in my life I remember when my dad first started talking to me about cause and effect and I thought that I understood it deeply and I'm sure I did but then now with this coming back to the forefront of my mind it feels like huh it feels like I'm understanding it deeper now or something like somehow I am but it's just cause and effect it's been on my heart lately it's been in my mind lately and and I dedicate my life to it and I bow to it and I like that this this quote said to the wonderful law of cause and effect because I think at times we might feel like I hate cause and effect like I was just talking to somebody earlier today to somebody in my life and they were just saying like I wish I could do this and then not experience the consequence for this action and sometimes I think we have to make ourselves we have to set ourselves up we have to truly change ourselves to want positive things for ourselves to want positive actions for ourselves so we can get positive consequences for ourselves that makes sense it is like a, a real mindset shift like I'm now getting to the point and I've gotten to the point with certain actions in my life like where I used to want to do this let's say this is um eating ramen because I used to be on an instant ramen diet (laughs) I want to eat as much instant ramen as I want without feeling the negative effects from it and I think though I've truly changed my heart and my mind to want to eat things that don't give me the negative effects so now I'm to the point where I don't want to eat instant ramen like 24 7 like I truly in my heart like I know that's not what I want I don't want to do the action and I don't want to feel the feeling so (laughs) of eating instant ramen 24 7 so I think though that that was a beautiful quote just because it is a wonderful law of 
cause and effect. And I think that it gives us a lot of power. So, yeah. With that being said, it has been a great show. And again, I'm so glad to be back with you all. Tune in to the Perfect Prana show on 88.1 FM WCRX. Also available on Apple and Spotify. Follow me on Instagram at Consistently Kaya. Keep up with me. See what my practice is looking like. I'm still working on social media, guys, so give me grace. Okay, and with that being said, may the light and darkness within me bow to the light and darkness within you. Namaste. Namaste.